Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We're going through a series called 100% Unashamed. And if, you're, <clears throat> if you haven't been coming very often, the reason why we're going through a series called 100% Unashamed and the reason I gave it that title is because recently I have often felt that uh, as a believer and as a follower of Jesus that I had to apologize for the Bible and apologize for what God's Word says. And I I, uh, I felt more pressure to do that as society has turned more and more away from what the scripture says. Um, and it's interesting because God's word is so true because you already can see the uh, results of the society turning further and further and further away from God. You can already see it. Uh, and people are like, I wonder why all this is happening. Well, I think you and I both know why it's happening. And so I wanted to name it 100% unashamed because I'm not, 100, I'm not uh, uh, ashamed of, of the gospel at all, but I don't want you to be either. And I want you to understand that none of this that's happening surprises God and that we need to be bold in our faith and we need to be bold in our belief <clears throat> and we need to be bold in our actions. And so here's the, here's the verse that we've been using and I will uh, read it for you. <clears throat> it's Romans 1, 16 and 17. It says this, it says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And then the next one says, This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Can we bring up the QR code? We are going to have these QR codes in the back of your seats eventually. But if you have a cell phone and you're, you're new here or if, you, if you've been coming here, if you have a cell phone, you can actually take a picture. Just put your phone up and take a picture of that and it'll bring you all of our announcements and all of our notes up for today. So if you want to do that, you can do that. Uh, and I'll give you a minute to go ahead and, and do that. But you can bring up all the notes and all the announcements. I always say this. I'm a teacher at heart. So I want to let you guys know that if all you do is listen today and you don't write anything down, that by Tuesday you will have forgotten 93 percent of what I said. So I just want to let you guys know by Tuesday you'll have forgotten 93 percent of what I said. And so go ahead and do that QR code if you want to. I do want to recap just a little bit where we've been going because today we're going to do a transition. Today in the scripture there is a transition to something completely different than what he's been talking about. And so today I want to give a brief background. In the text of Romans what we're looking at is we're looking at a church where the Jewish Christians had been sent away by the emperor. And then five or six years later, they were allowed, the emperor died, they were allowed to come back to the church. And so for five or six years, the church was run by Gentiles. And obviously the Gentiles are going to do different things than the Jewish Christians. And so there was clashing constantly in the church about all different types of issues. And so Paul decided he would go ahead and he would write really a full explanation of 
the life of Christ and what that life meant for you and I. And that's what he did in the book of Romans. We talked about God's righteousness. We talked about God's wrath, which is defined as God's right and righteous response that sin will not stand. That's what God's wrath is, that sin will not stand. We talked about his natural revelation and how none of us have an excuse because of his natural revelation. We saw what happens, especially in Romans 1, when God finally says to you and I, fine, if you want it your way, then you have it your way. And he removes the restraint that is on us. He removes that restraint and we see chaos is what ensues. We talked about how God doesn't show favorites and how knowledge without application is useless. We also talked about how inward change comes before outward signs. But today we're going to make a transition and that transition is going to be significant if you are taking notes. Because before what he said is this, he said, I want you to understand that Abraham wasn't just the father of you Jewish people. He was the father of all. And I want you to understand that now you hold no more special place than the Gentiles with God. That God has made everyone on the same plane. Everyone has an opportunity. Everyone has an even playing field. We're all on the same level. And he said this. It's accomplished through faith. And last week we defined faith as being, and it's found in verse four, uh, uh, chapter four, verse 21. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promises. That's faith. You're fully convinced that God's able to do what he promises. Fully convinced. And then he shifts over to chapter five. And here's what occurs starting in chapter 5. Let's start at chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore. Now, when you see therefore in the Bible, you want to ask the question, wow, what is that therefore? And so you want to look back at what he's been saying. And so Paul has taken four chapters to write all of this information. And he's saying, therefore, because of all of these things, Here's what occurs. And he even spells it out a little bit. Therefore, since we have been made right, the word there in some of your Bibles may be justified, justification. Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, by believing that what God said he's going to do. So since we have been made, we have peace with God because of what uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they, are, they, are, they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. If you've done any study in the Bible, you'll know that that sounds a lot like the book of James uh, in, in, in the, the book of James that that little section does. 
And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came and just at the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by, his, by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our, our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. What exactly occurred because of what he wrote in chapters 1 through 4? What is it that he's defining here? If you have your notes, the first one is going to be this. It was an incredible result as a result of the things that he's already defined. As a result of everyone being on the same playing field. As a result of understanding that no one is good, not even one. As a result of him sending his son to die for us. Here is the first thing. It actually is an incredible result. How do all these things apply to us? How does justification, listen, how does justification, how does what it says, he made, we were made right in God's eyes by faith. How does that even apply to us today? And that's what I want to look at today. How does it, why is it such a big deal for you and I today? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is you have peace with God. You have peace with God. Now, when you're sinner, you're like, oh, okay, I have peace with God. No, you don't understand. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal that you have peace with God. Now, I, want, I don't want you to get confused. I, you, don't, you don't have the peace of God. You do have that, but the peace of God is inward. Okay? You have God's peace inside of you. Holy Spirit will help you with that. You have God's peace. This is not what that is. This is, the, this is peace with God. There's a huge difference. So what is the difference? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. So my dad, I, I, I loved my father. He was not, he was a tough guy. Okay. He was a tough guy. He didn't play around much. I didn't ever want to tick my dad off. Are you with me? And I love, but I love my dad. But there were times and he, here's what he would do. And I know he did it on purpose to scare the bejeebies out of all of us. But he would say something like this, and this is how it would go. All right, boys. I had two brothers and myself. All right, boys. Family meeting in the living room. How it sounds in here right now, listen. That's how it sounded in my house, too. Because you know, it was about to go down. We never knew who had done what and why. But we knew that someone had screwed up royally. And I always assumed it was me. And my brothers and I, my dad's been dead 16 years. My brothers and I still talk about the fear. 
And I know you may be thinking, yeah, I, I get that, you know, but y'all were little kids. No, no, you don't get it. As a grown man with my two brothers that are grown men, when my dad would say, hey, I need to talk to you boys outside. This is what it sounded like in the house. And I was 30. And we'd walk out like this. And, and I don't know why we did this. But we would always walk the same. My brother Jimmy was first. My brother Jeff was second. And I was third. Even at 30. And we would walk like this. Because you knew what was up. You know why? Because there was no peace. There was no peace. For some, something had disrupted the peace that I had with my father. And the last thing I wanted to do was disappoint my dad. That's the last thing I wanted to do. Because his opinion of me mattered so much to me. What he thought about my behavior, what he thought about my life, it mattered so much to me. I did not like having peace, not having peace with my dad. Because there was a disconnect there. Something had occurred. There was a disconnect. And we needed to make it right. And the same thing happened with you and with me. Because in the beginning, there was perfection. And there was a relationship. In the beginning. And yet there was a disconnect and because, therefore, because of what he had done, what God did, what he initiated, because of what he had done, therefore, we now could have peace with God. The connection was re-established. It was an incredible result. Part of that incredible result was also we had an undeserved privilege. We had an undeserved privilege. What does that even mean? Let me tell you what it means. We now, because of what Christ did, we have the confidence of sharing in God's glory. We have an undeserved privilege. God has invited us back into the fold. And we have an undeserved privilege. It's amazing to me that he would allow us to do this. My brother, my middle brother, Jeff, who usually is the one that got in trouble. Um, my brother, Jeff, used to smoke brown cigarettes at age six. I don't even know what brown cigarettes were. And they weren't black and milds. Are you with me? I know. Isn't that a thing now? Or is that a thing? Black and milds? Is that a thing? So, so everybody's like, I have no idea, preacher. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Listen, so my brother Jeff used to smoke brown cigarettes at six. We lived across from an apartment com complex across the, the way. And my brother Jimmy busted my brother Jeff. And she, he said, oh, I'm going to tell dad. And he ran back and told dad. And you know what my dad said? Son, I need to talk to you in here in the living room. And you know how it sounded? Just like that. My brother Jeff 
He's made amends for the brown cigarette days and he's doing quite well. I'm happy to report that. And he has a job now where he meets, sometimes he can meet people that are known. So he tells me the story. He, he, he always tells me, he says, I never forget that I'm just a redneck from Camden, Tennessee. And he tells me the story. He's like, man, they, I, I got invited to this. Uh, it was a men's, basically a men's hangout session. Just, you know, this guy at this guy's house is a big house. He goes over to the house. He gets invited. He walks in. And he walks in. And there a bunch of men are just standing around talking, hanging out. And Luke Bryan is standing in front of him. And he's like, I heard three girls go. <sighs> and one grandma. Oh, my God. Luke Bryan. Anyway. So Luke Bryan is standing in front, and then there's a bunch of old dudes going, who's Luke Bryan? He's the guy that ruined country music for everybody. Let me just say that. All right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You tell Conway about Luke Bryan, see what happens. Okay. Anyway. Yep. Yep. Anyway. So Luke Bryan is standing there and so is the governor of Tennessee. And so is all these different people are standing there. And here's what I want you to know. My brother, here's what he did. This is so funny because he knew my, bro, my other brother and I would not believe him. So think about this for a second. All these famous people are in this room. And here's my idiot brother with his cell phone going. And so I got pictures from my brother's cell phone from his pocket going, hey. And he was going, hey. And it was all from like Luke Bryan's nostrils. And like, that's what it was. And I was like, dude, that ain't Luke Bryan, man. But it was. You know what he had? He had undeserved privilege. And he told me, he said, I said, dude, what did you think when you walked in and all these famous people were in there? And he was like, I, let me say this for, for the older people and me. T.G. Shepard was there too. Okay? Yes. So it's all good now. Anyway, y'all Google T.G. Shepard when you're young. Okay? But anyway, so, so he, he, he was, he, he said this. He said, I said, what did you think? And he said, I walked in and I thought, what in the heck am I doing here? And everyone was treating him just normal and everything. And he was like, what am I doing here? This is the governor of Tennessee. This is this guy over here sings, you know, somebody dirt road or something. You know, what am I doing here? You know what that was? It was undeserved privilege. Can I tell you, can I tell you what we are going to think whenever we finally hit eternity? What in the world am I doing here? What in the world am I doing here? This is incredible. What am I doing here? We have undeserved privilege. Another result is we have a confident hope. That means that we can have confidence in the hope that he provides. You know, in 2008, President Obama ran on a platform of hope. And just like every other politician before him and every other politician since and every other politician from now until the end of time, he could not deliver on that hope. Why? Because hope that isn't eternal fails. 
But see, we have a confident hope. Matthew chapter 12, verse 17 says this. I want to turn over to it. Matthew chapter 12, verse 17 says this. It says, starting in, starting in verse 17. Let me find it here. It says, this fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant who I am chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious. And here's why. And his name will be the hope of the world. His name will be the hope of the world. We have a confident hope because of what Christ has done. I want to say something to you today, and I don't want to upset anybody or anything, but I do want to talk to you real, like take a little bit of a pause and talk to you kind of briefly. There have been people here who have had traumatic things that have happened to them over the last year or two. Can I just say that, that, that especially with COVID, but with other things, okay, there's people that are here who have been very sick or who have family members that were very sick. And there's people that are here who may have lost people. Maybe you lost a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad. There's people here who have lost people. I have lost people way back when everyone here has had relatives that die. And we have had a situation, especially over the last 20 or 21 months, where you would look around and you would think, man, it looks hopeless to me. It looks like there is no hope. It looks like that maybe God's not here. It looks like and all of these various things that may occur in your life and all of these things that you may be thinking. But I want you to understand something. You have a hope because of what Christ did, not just for your life today, but for those lives that have surrounded you and some of those that have gone on. I want you to think about this for a second. I wasn't sure where my dad stood with, with God for so long until I talked to a pastor, a pastor that was friends of the family that had had a conversation with my dad. He actually did the funeral and I was so I was just in shock that my dad had died. Like I said, we were very close. And I was sitting on the second row. They had put us in the family area. I don't know why they do that. I felt like I was being watched. It was like everybody was looking at us. And I was like, why do they do that? Why can't I just... But we were in the side and the preacher was preaching here and we were right here. And all of a sudden, I start having a panic attack. Okay? Now, mind you, I grew up in this town. And up to this point, everybody thought I was kind of a success. The last thing I want to do is go crazy at my dad's funeral. Are you with me? But I'm sitting there and I'm holding Wendy's hand and I squeezed it and I leaned over and I said, I don't feel like I can breathe. And she said, you're fine. You're fine. And the pastor started talking and he started telling the story about my father. And he started telling a story that, of a conversation he had had. And the moment, the moment I realized. The moment I realized my dad's eternal fate. A smile came across my face and all of the anxiety swept out of me and I sat at peace. It was so apparently it was so evident that even Wendy's mother said, she said, 
He just started smiling and I was watching him and all this, it's like everything drained. It was, it was amazing. And I felt it. I felt it. What is that? Can I tell you what it is? It's the hope that I know without a shadow of a doubt that I will see my dad again. I have a confident hope in, my, in, my, in that. I have a confident hope for you. I have a confident hope that what you've experienced on this side, whether it's short or long, my dad was only 59, whether it was short or long, what you've experienced on this side is nothing compared to the relationship that you'll have for eternity. I have a confident hope. I have a confident hope that God knows exactly what he's doing in your life and in my life. I have a confident hope to know that I don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to have all the answers because God has all the answers. And I trust him to know that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So therefore, I don't worry about those because I know I have a confident hope and you have the same hope. And why do we have that hope? I'll tell you why. Because the second point is, is that we understand and embrace a crazy love. A crazy love. Romans 5, 6 through 9 says this. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Now, if you look at that, that is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Let me give you an example of God's crazy love. Does anyone here, have you guys ever heard the name Roy Radcliffe? Roy Radcliffe. Roy Radcliffe is an interesting little bird, okay? Roy Radcliffe was a pastor. He was a pastor, Roy Radcliffe. I bet you, you won't forget that name after I tell you this story. He was a pastor that lived close to a prison, Roy Radcliffe. And he ministered his small little church and he ministered and he ministered and he ministered. And he got a call one day from the prison. And they said, we have an inmate that would like to speak to you. This inmate says that he wants to give his life to Christ and be baptized. And he said, OK, he said, and he found your name and he wants you to come and talk to him. He said, OK. He gets in his car. He drives up to the to the prison. And he walks in. And there before him. On death row. Was Jeffrey Dahmer. Pedophile. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. I mean, he he did everything. Murderer, serial killer, Jeffrey Dahmer. Roy Radcliffe began to talk to Jeffrey Dahmer about Christ. He ended up writing a book about it, actually. It's really amazing. It's apparently it's a very short book, but he wrote a, he wrote a book about it. 
he began to minister to Jeffrey Dahmer. And Roy Ratcliffe led Jeffrey Dahmer to Christ. And he baptized him, I think, in one of their whirlpools. What? Wait a minute. It's interesting, a little side note, because I'm a history buff and I love trivia. At the moment, at the same, on the same day that Jeffrey Dahmer was baptized, another famous serial killer, John Wayne Gacy, was put to death. Isn't that interesting? I watch way too much Dateline. Anyway, an ID network, oh my gosh. If ID network went away, Wendy Williams would be the happiest person alive. She'd be like, thank you, Lord. Anyway. What? Jeffrey Dahmer, he killed children. He was a cannibal. I mean, I don't mind him being a Christian, but I'm not having him over for potluck. Are you with me? (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. And it took a long time. Here's the crazy part. Seven months later, he ministered to him for seven months. And after seven months, he was killed. Jeffrey Dahmer was beaten to death. He was actually hit with one of the weights. This is a crazy story. He, he, was hit with, he was hit with a weight on the head and beaten to death. You know what the first item he used to kill, the first child he killed was? A weight. Same weight. Hit him over the head. It's a crazy story. I'm full of useless knowledge up here, I promise. But it is a crazy story. Jeffrey Dahmer... How many of you would say, listen, that's hard to swallow for me. It really is, right? No pun intended. I mean, it's, that's, that's hard. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough for me. That's, I know, right? Look, I'll be here tonight, tomorrow afternoon. I'm Mr. Comedian up here, right? I just walked right into that one. I just, I, I did. That's tough for me, y'all. That's tough for me to wrap my, my head around. As a matter of fact, it's more than tough. You know what it is? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy because it doesn't seem fair to you or I. But that is the love that Christ has brought us. That's the love that Christ has brought us. Do I agree with it always? No, I don't. But I'm going to be completely transparent with you and tell you. I've done a lot of things wrong too. And you have too. And I'm thankful for God's crazy love. I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that it's not just sweet little children and nice people that he saves. But it's sinners like me. Romans 3.23 says this. It says, Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. And that brings me to wrap up with this. Not only is it an incredible result, not only do we see crazy love, but we also see a saving life. 
Romans, Romans, 10, 5 and 11, Romans 5, 10 and 11 says this. It says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Listen, I want you to hear this. I don't want you to miss this part because a lot of us are not living this type of life. I want you to perk your ears up and listen. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still enemies of His, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. I want you to get that. So now we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. His death, his death brought us into salvation. His death, quote unquote, when we have faith and we believe what is belief? We've defined that three or four times. It's entrusting our whole life over to someone or something. When we believe, when we entrust our whole life over, then we receive eternal life. But I want you to understand something. Jesus isn't dead anymore. He's alive. And His life allows us to have life. Not in the future, not in eternity, today. Do you know that whenever you give your life over to Christ, February 18th, 1990 is when mine started. February 18th, 1990, I gave my life over to Christ. From that moment on, my citizenship switched from earth to eternity, to heaven. I am a citizen of heaven. And a lot of us are citizens of heaven, but we're acting like we are just walking around, gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. Are you with me, y'all hee-haw fans out there? That's what we walk around as. I've said this before. John 10.10 says that he came to have a slot. Do we have that up there? The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. Therefore, if you are not living a rich and satisfying life, you need to connect in further with what God is trying to do. Because we are having that kind of life only when we realize that Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive and he sits at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for us even now. Not that we'll get to heaven but that today our actions, our behaviors, our faith, our belief will all bring him glory and make you and I have an abundant life. He is alive. We get so focused on his death. He is alive. His death brought us salvation. But his life brings us sanctification. Are you with me? And the way he does that is through his Holy Spirit. That the scripture says earlier that fills us, that fills us, I think it's verse 5. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's what he's done. Today I want to encourage you to accept that which has changed. To accept the crazy love. And to live a life to live a life that glorifies God. But only do so because you have fully believed. That means you have in, in, entrusted your life to someone greater than yourself. 
And watch what happens when you do that. What do I think will happen? I think you'll start living the John 10, 10 life. That's what I think. And that's my hope for you. And that's my prayer for you today. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you so much, God, for who you are. Lord, we are, we are only experiencing a slight sliver, a slight little sliver of the life that you want us to live. And so, God, my prayer today is, is that we would embrace the fullness of who you are. And that we would see clearly the path that you would have us go. Lord, you're not a generic God. You're an individual God. Meaning one person has this path. One person has that path. And God, you orchestrate all those things together for your glory and for our good. So, Lord, we ask you now to do what only you can do. We ask you now to reveal to us the areas where our belief has faded. And Lord, I pray that you would renew a right spirit in us. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I really am convinced that whenever we get to, to, to heaven, I'm convinced that in God's mind, there is a picture of what our true 100% obedient self would look like and would be like and would have done. And what I don't want to do with my life is I don't want to get to heaven and I don't want to see that and go, man, I could have done so much more. Gosh, if I'd have only believed more, if I, would have only, if I would have only entrusted God more than myself, if I would have only, I, I don't want to be it if I would have only. What I want to do is, is I want to get as close as I can to that which God has pictured for me. I, I want to get as close as I can to what God had in mind when he created me. That's what I want to do. And I want you to join that too. Let's stand up and let's worship. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.